Kim Sujawalski, and I'm your host here at the Brownwell Podcast, a place in which every week we talk about delicious food, about making more vegan choices no matter where you are along the way. And because food is never just about the food, I'll support and guide you to a happier, kinder, and more mindful relationship with that wonderful moment of eating. Are you ready? Lace up those trainers if you're going for a walk or grab a cup of coffee, get comfy on the couch, and listen in. Welcome everyone to part two of this two-part episode on grief with special guest, clinical psychologist and researcher Verena Kaczynski, my dear, dear friend, and who to this day has some of the most downloaded episodes in our podcast history, which makes me so, so happy and which doesn't surprise me one bit. And keep in mind, you're hearing a tiny, tiny glimpse of what it's like to be her friend. If you haven't already, I highly recommend listening to last week's episode, which was part one on grief and grieving. That's episode 229. And, you know, Verena just explains so much about the stages of grief in part one. And we both share some of the things that have helped us when we've been grieving, as well as some of the foundations of what grief means, what it feels like, and the importance of letting yourself sit in that place rather than resisting or denying it. In part two, that's today's episode, we talk a lot about other forms of grieving, including more on separation, dealing with the empty nest, the loss of a friendship, estrangement from family members, the loss of a job or career, retirement, or any kind of dream or life path we didn't get to go through or that hasn't come to pass yet for us. Verena will also give us great insight into the gifts and invitations that come with grieving, how to deal with the tough moment of remembering early in the morning and the moment that felt impossible to her during her grief. We both share how you can support someone who is grieving as well as a list of podcasts books that can be hugely helpful. And I've also, by the way, added to the ones we mentioned. I added a great list that includes further and more specific books on grieving that I hope you get a chance to check out as well. And all of that will be in the show notes. My hope is that these two episodes and with this one, the last of season nine, you feel that there's a hand extended to you in this moment of loss, that you feel less alone, that if you are not grieving, but have someone you love who is, you can be the biggest source of support for them. As you'll hear in this episode, other than Carlos, who has been there for me in all of my moments of loss and has been the firmest shoulder to rely on and count on. Verena has been my other pillar and one of the biggest sources of friendship and comfort and support, not because she is a therapist, although you'll get plenty of her professional knowledge as well, but because she is just such a good person and an incredible friend. There was no better person than her to invite and have this conversation on grief with. I know I introduced her in the first episode, but it bears repeating that Verena Kaczynskis is a clinical psychologist and researcher, and for the past 13 years, she has been integrating the concepts and techniques from psychology and a healthcare system called Body Talk, seeking to deepen and expand therapeutic results for her patients. Currently, she has been splitting her time between seeing patients and developing content to both educate and encourage self-observation, always with the premise of sharing resources that people can use in their own internal organization processes. Before we get started, a quick reminder that our summer sale at Bramble is still going on. You can check out all the details at bramble.com. You'll see a bar at the top with all of that information. And we're going to get right into part two on grief and grieving after this ad break. 
Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Green and Experience, a wonderful Etsy shop selling the most amazing products for a safe and plant-based alternative to doing laundry. Stop using dryer sheets and liquid fabric softeners and stop using wool or plastic dryer balls. As our listeners know, both Gatos and I put so much effort into incorporating more zero-waste products into our cleaning and self-care routines and especially trying to incorporate more products that are made from natural ingredients, skipping the chemicals that can come in so many mass-produced cleaning products and beauty products and that are in contact with our precious skin and can also get in the water supply and be harmful to the environment and animals. Laundry detergents, dryer sheets, and fabric softeners are huge sources of these problems and can even contain animal products like wool and animal fats. And using plastic dryer balls is another source of environmental damage. I, for one, stopped buying fabric softener years ago and could only find a replacement for natural laundry detergents, but softeners were so much harder to get. But now I'm so excited to have discovered the handmade hemp dryer balls created by Green and Experience. All the goodness and benefits of the raw hemp in a dryer ball, all natural, reusable, plant-based, non-toxic, antibacterial, hypoallergenic, organic, and safe to use for babies, infants, pets, and you know how much I care about my fur babies and people with sensitive skin. Order them today on Etsy.com by visiting their shop, Green and Experience, all one word, or use the link you'll find right here in your podcast player and in the show notes and have them shipped right to your door. Get 10% off with the limited time promo code BROWNBOLT10, all in all caps. That's promo code BROWNBOLT10 for 10% off. Order them for your family and find peace of mind. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back, V, for part two of a very series of very personal episodes. It's been hard for me to keep a, some dry eyes for these couple of episodes. So grief can happen in moments other than someone's death, right? Mm-hmm. Can we go through yeah. the process of, of, of grief with other things? Can you give us some, I don't know, some examples of common things mm-hmm. you've seen in your practice, for example? Yeah, of course. So there's the grieving for, you know, for a job that you lost. You were, we're always the, I mean, grief is about letting go of the plans, the expectations, the attachments, right? So anything that was something in, like, maybe you didn't, like, maybe you didn't even get the job. You were, you know, mm-hmm. making plans, mm-hmm. you were preparing yourself, you had, this ex- you had this expectation, and you can grieve that. Of course, there are different intensities and levels of grief. For yeah. you, you, you don't compare really, like, losing your, one of your parents to, like... I don't know, losing the, or maybe don't getting the job you, you were expecting, but yeah, you can grieve that. There's something very interesting that I, I, my, I myself, I'm beginning to experience. I'm already grieving my cycle, my menstrual cycle, because I love it. And I'm turning 44 in a few months. And I know that I have maybe five, six more years before my menopause starts. And I'm grieving it, really, because yeah. I know there's that's something. So, and that's interesting because I'm beginning to feel the process before, and that's really possible. A lot of us, we grieve the um, end of a relationship before it because we already know we're going to you Mm. know end it right I have experienced it so when I broke up with my first boyfriend I was already prepared for that because I have I had been grieving it for a few months before preparing myself and you know like yeah saying goodbye to him right so you can do it before the thing happens yeah yeah so we grieve also like when parents, when, you know, the, um, the kids go out, they, you know, they, they grow and they go live their lives and the parents have the, 
the house empty, the empty nest. So they go through a grieving process. Because when you think about it, it's not only because, you know, you don't have the routine with them anymore. It's because now you're looking to your life again and you're grieving the things that you had to, you know, let go of because you were taking care of them. Mm -hmm. I have had some female patients, women who had this desire of having children and couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard for them, of course. Very big source of grief. Yeah. Those are the ones that come to my mind. Do you think about, can you think about anyone, any other example? Oh, gosh, you you mentioned so many great ones. And I think some of the main ones, but I just also think of, yeah, the the loss of of dreams that never came to be. And and that's an example Mm -hmm. of one wanting to be a parent and that didn't happen or wanting to be in a partnership and never finding a partner, a very big source of grief. Um, For some people, it can be the loss of a childhood if you went through trauma during childhood. Uh, The end of a friendship can be deeply grieved. Yes. Loss of change in our bodies. You mentioned your cycle, but also I'm going through a process with my gray hairs at the moment. A new stage has started. I've been having gray hairs pop up for years, but now like I've entered a new stage of that. And just having, seeing those stages go from one to the next and seeing that, wow, I wasn't going to stay in my thirties forever. Like I thought I was, (laughs) even though we know, even though we know that if we're lucky, we are going to age, Uh, but change going through change in our bodies our bodies changing in shape and size, um, the loss of youth, the loss of health, having something pop up that an illness, a, a diagnosis that you were not expecting and retirement having to go through that also. retirement. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So many. It, when we're going through some of these losses that aren't because of someone passing, are the recommendations the same or do you, are there other things that would help? I think the process is not the same. Losing a person is different. It's more intense. I'm trying to remember if I have any example of someone who had a grieving process so intense when losing like a job or losing. I don't think so. I don't think so. So I think it's, it's different. And I think most of the time when you're retiring or when, I'm, when you're going through menopause, when you're, it's, it's not like, it's a different kind of, you know, ending a cycle. It's not like you're losing something forever. I mean, you are, but you're, you're more in control. It's not as maybe dramatic because it's, it's just the beginning of another phase of your life sometimes. So I don't think that you're going to be like, you know, crying all the time like you do when you, when you lose a parent or when you end a relationship. I think the process in itself is, is, is a little different. Of course, the same advices, the same thing we have been talking about the other, on the other episode. They're the same here. I don't know if you agree, agree with me, but I think in the other examples, it's different because you're just, you just have to reinvent yourself in another way, you know? Mm-hmm. That's the word I was looking for, reinvent yourself. So going through, to, to, through therapy, of course, but when I think about maybe, you know, uh, approaching menopause, I don't think it's the same thing of losing, you know, a parent or, you know what I say, what I mean? Yeah. One thing that I has helped me in other moments of not grief due to death, but just of, of having to grieve other aspects of my life, choices that I've made, things I've left behind, things like that, is to really look into the core of what that meant to me and 
trying to find a way to bring that into my life in another way and just turn the page. And you said something, you said something to me recently, because I have to say, you know, my, my forties entering my forties has not been as easy as I thought, (laughs) not because of aging. It's just been emotionally hard. I've had a lot of looking back. And when I mentioned that to you, you said, well, yeah, that's, that's what you're, that's what you do in your 40s. That, that's what 40s, turning 40 means. And so I wanted you to speak a little bit about that because I think it would be helpful in, in seeing that it's, you can either grieve things and cl- turn the page or close the book and grab a different one. Or you can see what is unresolved and see what can happen there and, and, and see if you can, you know, uh, could, you, could you share what you shared with me? Yes. <laughs> Yes, sure. There's grief with regret and there's grief without regret, right? So that's a huge difference. So huge. Because feeling grief is, you know, hard enough. But when you have that with some regret of the things that you wish you had done or the things that you, you wish you hadn't done, you know, I think that makes it harder to just close the book and, you know, to, to, to just let go of the cycle and start another one, just a new beginning, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I think in this case, and that uh, helps me to answer the, the other question. When you have regrets, you will have to look at, at them. Grieving is uh, an invitation to... Finish something and start something new. Sometimes you made a choice to do it. Sometimes, a lot of times, you didn't. But at some point, you have to stop resisting and just, you know, give yourself to the, to the process, right? To the experience. But when you have regrets, you can get attached to the regrets or to the resentments or to how many people... I mean, a lot of people just stay attached, not to the grief, but to the anger they were feeling, right? To the things they can't let go, to the things that someone did to them or to the things they wish they had done. So, yeah, I think when there's regret... There's, it's more difficult to, to just let go, to, you know, close the book and start yeah. another one. But life is full of, like the Chinese say, every breath is uh, an act of letting go, right? You have to let go of the air to let some more, some new air enter. So every breath that actually that is the analogy they have to the the whole process of grieving you just go you have to you're always like starting a, a cycle finishing a cycle starting a cycle finishing a cycle but you, the with the breath is it takes breathing takes seconds but in life they're like big breaths like you're you know breathing in breathing out and grieving is breathing out you have to breathe out and let it go when you have regrets when you can't let go you can then you can i don't know you can be clinging to a person to an experience to something for years years that's so unfair with yourself right I love that analogy of breathing in and breathing out that the surrender, there's so much surrendering that needs to happen yeah. when it comes to grief. And most of us actually do the opposite movement during most of our lives, which is to try to hold on to things, to try to control things. That's the, that's the sort of initial impulse. It's no, 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 no. You can't take this away from me. Like I have to cling to it. And just life keeps putting things in our way for us to learn that lesson of surrender. Yes. Oh, and that's okay. at the essence of 
that concept of mindfulness of, of suffering, that it's just a part of life and, and there needs to be surrendering yeah. to that. That's why we yeah. say that all life phases should be really lived. Because if you don't, I mean, if you don't live, like if for any reason, you can't have the experiences you're supposed to have when you're in your 20s. Later on in your life, you will have to, not because you want to consciously, but because you psychologically, you need to, um, I don't know, you need to rescue that experience and finish it. You just have to live it and finish it. Sometimes it will be when you're 50, and, but then when you're 50, it's, it's, it's messy, right? It's not the same yeah. because you have other responsibilities. You don't have the same body to, you know. But I, I, yeah. I, have, I, I had a patient. He was a man. And he was in his 40, late 40s. And he was living the life he couldn't live when he was 21, 22, 23. And he was sick. He was ill because his body didn't you know, he was going to parties, drinking a lot, those, those things, right? But the body couldn't keep up with the same things you would keep up with when he was in, in yeah. his 20s, right? But he was in, in, I mean, he was doing therapy and therapy actually did what he needed was not to avoid that he needed support to go through that phase i learned a lot with him also because you know it wasn't what i expected i would say well in your 40s and you're almost 50 you shouldn't you know this isn't the place or the time to do this no for him it was his emotional health was depending on that so he stayed wow. with that experience for I, I think less than a year maybe but it was so important to him, so important. Then he could go on with the rest of his life. I love that. Yeah, and and also so many times we go through this idealizing of that thing we couldn't do, that thing that didn't come to pass. We see it as this magical golden yeah. thing that would have changed our lives forever, that would have saved us, that would have been that magical thing that would have made everything else okay. And in reality, nothing has that great of power. Yeah. And sometimes it's good to just start having that experience and, and see how it feels. And, and, and also to realize that some of the things that didn't really didn't come to pass and that you cannot recreate later in life, to take a little bit, sort of scrape a little bit off that ideal that we've been coding. It's like we've been painting over it with years and years of thinking that that was the magical solution. Yeah. And, you know, many people live that exact life and don't feel fulfilled, yeah. don't feel that that is the secret and, and that everything turned out perfectly. So scrape a little bit off that and say, it's okay that I'm sad because this didn't happen. But also... I had all of these other things that did happen. And there are so many more things that I can ha that I can make happen that I can try to do now that will give me a sense of fulfillment even if they weren't that ideal. I think that's important because we do tend to romanticize so many things in at least when it comes to these life paths, right? Mm -hmm. The, the kind of relationship we think we're going to have and the kind of children we think we're going to have or, or, or having those children or the kind of career we're going to have or the amount of money we think we're going to be happy with. Mm -hmm. And there needs to be a little bit of taking that filter, that beauty, that Instagram filter off of it yeah. and grieving the part that needs to be grieved and letting go of the rest, I yeah. think. And yeah. I think understanding that even if it feels like you would have done it differently, you wouldn't. Because if you would, I mean, because you just didn't. So, yeah. right? So sometimes it's hard to take responsibility and say, yes, I didn't do it because I didn't do it. it was, it's on me. It is on me. 
and and because I couldn't do it, and that couldn't can just be because I physically couldn't. The yeah. circumstance didn't allow yeah. me to do it. You know, something my therapist always reminds me of when when I'm talking about my life regrets or things like that or grieving certain things. She always tells me there are the choices we make. There are the choices that we didn't make. And then there is just the path that life took us down. So it's like this is this life is this winding river. And part of it is making sure the boat is sturdy and you have your oars and your you have the upper arm strength to paddle. A part of it is sort of being careful and saying, well, I'm not going to go down this way because that looks dangerous or that fall looks too high. And a part of it is the current of the river. And you can't do anything about that. It's the way things happened. And there's no going back. There's no changing that aspect. So I think that there needs to be so much self-compassion with these life paths that didn't come to be and, and saying, I did the best I could with what I had. I have a couple of questions that came to mind when you were talking about your process in, in the ending of, of, of your relationship. And also this applies to the death of someone as well. Any loss, really. I remember that with all of, all of the deep moments of sadness, in my case, after death, I would always have this moment early in the morning when I first woke up. And for a brief moment, I wouldn't remember. And then I did. And that was always the worst part of the day. That moment where it all came back and the suffering came back. And by the way, everybody, I just feel like I have to say this. When we're talking about death, it not only has to be the death of a person. One of the deepest, most awful moments of grief in my life was the loss of my dogs. It, they're kind of, I don't have human children and, and they've been kind of my babies and it's been so painful. And I, I remember, especially with the loss of, of my Nala, the moment I woke up and I forgot and then remembered was so painful. What would you say to someone who is going through that? How can we soften the edge of that moment? Or what helped you if you, I don't know if you experienced this moment as well. When I remember my grieving process, the thing that I remember the most was don't resist, don't resist, don't resist. So, because for me, every time I resisted, it lasted longer and it hurt more. So I remember, I remember, I remember when you were going through that, I would breakfast for me was like dying, dying (laughs) because it was the most important meal of the day. We, we used to have it together. And so breakfast for me for a long, long, long time was just impossible, impossible. So I just, but I remembered that Something that we say about trauma is that in the behaviorist um, theory, you just try to live differently, right? So I would just, I just created a new routine, breakfast routine for me. And I started to create, you know, new routines to replace the other, the older ones that I had in my memory. And that was a long and interesting process also because I was very attached to some of the, you know, I, 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 I don't want to suffer anymore, but I don't want to yeah. give up of this. Yeah. <laughs> so, but what I did was that, just to answer, um, answer your question, what I did because I knew that the mornings were so hard, I just did something that you probably would do this would have done the same i just transformed my mo- my mornings in the most you know exciting moments of the day so i stopped seeing patients before 10 so i could you know get up slowly and create my new routine 
that's when I started to go out and walk and it became like a very important um, part of my day. So maybe, I mean, not resisting is one of the things because if you resist the emotion, it's not going to go away. And maybe trying to replace what hurts with, yeah. What did you do? I would cry. With Nala. So when the when that moment hit, I would just cry mm -hmm. and I just let it come out. And like you said, you feel when you're when you start crying, you think I'm never going to stop. Yes. And then you realize it's just a few minutes. Yeah. It's not even an. it's not even an. it's no. not even 20 minutes. It's, no, no, no. it's so much less. And then your body gets that physical release. And you get up. And you carry on. And it's a little You, you just you just pile on the next activity upon the next on top of the next and, and you continue with your day. And one thing that was hugely helpful, it has been hugely helpful each time. Each time I have had sadness for whatever reason is to find something new that will add a little bit of excitement or joy in my day. So I remember that when, when Nala died, I bought this course on photography and it was this thing that, I mean, it's closely related to my work, but it was this thing I was doing just because I wanted to learn more. And for that, for the 20 minutes a day that I did the course for, it was online. It was in my house. It didn't have, I could do it in my pajamas. I had an escape for mm -hmm. a little bit. And that little bit of time helped me feel more human. And that happened to me also when my mom died, because I had this yoga class that I was sometimes going to. And I, I wasn't, it wasn't like what you do in that stage of bargaining. It was just something that I was sometimes going to do. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And for a little bit of time, I, I, felt, I, I felt I could recognize myself again. And that helped me have a kind of anchor to the day. So I think that helped. But I love what you say. There's, if there's resistance, that's where the, that's where the bulk of the pain yeah. is going to stick. It's like gets sticky. Yeah. Because if you think about it, you have to give it time to the brain for it to just replace the memories. You know, I, and it's, it's not only when you lose someone or something. I remember I have, I have moved a lot So when I was younger, I remember that every time I moved to a new city, it would be natural for my brain to see people on the streets and think that I was recognizing them, but they were from the other place that I was coming from because my brain mm -hmm. was already, so it was, uh, it was like, like a habit. It was, you know, a habit of seeing people and thinking, oh, maybe that's, I don't know, that's Carl. Maybe that's Mary. But it couldn't be Mary because Mary was living in another city. And that's, I think, the same that happens when you lose a routine, when you lose someone. Your brain has to understand that it's not going to be, you know, that the things that you were used to. It has to replace one, one experience for the other, right? So, and for that, you need time. You don't do it in four yeah. days. You, 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 you need do it time. in months months that's uh that's so true you just need some time time yep. really does help it, it it's a cliche but it's a cliche yeah. for a reason i mean time with work right I yeah yeah time yes. like laying laying down in your laying crying in your bed no on your bed no let's take a quick ad break and we'll be right back to our conversation with verena Looking for a vegan, cruelty-free, and non-toxic way to do laundry? I'm so excited to have partnered up with today's sponsor for the podcast, Green and Experience. You have no idea how many brand requests we get for sponsorships of the podcast, you guys. And sadly, it is rare that brands or companies align with our values at Bramble, and we say no to most sponsorships because of it. So I got so excited when I saw the chance to help promote a vegan and environmentally conscious small business 
especially when I'm looking for ethical and safe personal care products and especially cleaning products for my home. Introducing their reusable, handmade, non-toxic, organic, and zero-waste dryer balls. They are not only beautiful to look at and impeccably packaged and designed, but they are antibacterial, hypoallergenic, safe for babies, infants, pets, and people with sensitive skin. Just in case you're new to using dryer balls, they are wonderful to pop in your dryer with your clothes, preventing laundry from clumping together as the balls tumble along with your laundry, reducing drying time, fighting wrinkles in your clothes, preventing static, and more importantly, giving your clothes, sheets, and towels a wonderful soft feel and skipping the chemicals and pollutants found in commercial dryer sheets and fabric softeners. It is the perfect reusable kind, vegan, and environmentally safe alternative to doing laundry. Order them today and have them shipped right to your door and get 10% off with a limited time promo code BROWNBOLT10, all in all caps. That's BROWNBOLT10 for 10% off. Shop at Green and Experience, one word, on Etsy.com or use the link you'll find in your podcast player and in the show notes. Now, V, how can we support someone who is grieving? So now I'm thinking of anybody who is listening who has someone close to them who has lost someone. And they're, they're in that place of being what I did for you when you were grieving and what you have done for me when I was grieving. How can we support someone who is going through this? I think the most important one is the one that you said, holding space for the person. Don't push it. Just don't push because what we need is just some space to grieve. That's mm -hmm. what we need, right? Asking, what do you need? I mean, do you need me to yes. come, to, come to, to stay here and talk to you? Do you, do you want me to come over and be with you? Because sometimes I needed to be alone. And sometimes I just couldn't be alone. So what do you need, right? I remember the small things, the small things like, you know, you know, someone would call me and like you said, check in and just ask how I was. The grieving process takes a lot of energy, right? Yeah. So if you want to help, I think uh, the best way to help is just to hold space and not try to push anything because the other, the other person is already you know, losing so much energy in their own process that sometimes, you know, receiving someone in your house is not what you need right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, holding space and being there and, ah, yes, the, there is another one, judging. I mean, I mean don't judge because oh. everybody goes through their own process, For some people, it's like very dramatic. Like for me, for you, we cry a lot. For some people, it's more like they need to talk more. Some people just don't, don't, don't think that you know what is best because just don't judge. But be there, be there. Yeah. Yeah. I love these. The not judging is so important. Oh my God. All of these asking people what they need. You know, for me, it, you're totally right. It's the small things, right? We're in such a weird place that it's the tiny little things and it's the errands someone is yes. offering to do for us yes. it's because i remember when the i was cooking. grieving there yeah, the, yeah that's giving bringing food buying groceries and leaving them at the door without want without needing even to see the person yeah. but leaving groceries leaving yes. a plate of food and saying texting and saying i just left something outside your door If you need me, I'll come back. And, and that's it. You just have to open the door and grab the food. Those tiny, tiny things. And I especially think of people who are going through those horrible, horrible... I mean, I, I don't think that we should be in the business of comparing one death or one tragedy to another because it can feel just, just as earth-shattering, you know, d different kinds of, of grief processes. But I think of someone who has lost a child... Or I think of a sudden death that was just so, a partner dying, your husband dying, your wife dying. I, I, these moments where you are completely out of yourself, you cannot function. Having somebody take care of the day-to-day -day stuff is the best because you, sometimes I remember those moments of just 
crying because I had to go pay, like I had to go to the bank and I couldn't like, get dressed and in, in, in my car and having somebody to, to offer to do that for you or to help or to yes. go with you is just so, so helpful. Um, I, I, for me, it was very helpful when people invited me to do something but the plan included some kind of support for me. So for me, that's being able to take my dogs. So someone would tell me, hey, like, come over, but bring yeah. your dog. And that would immediately make, make me say yes, because it, it was like bringing a comfort blanket when I was in, in such a, a moment of, of going through something so hard. I remember this one day, Carlos took me just to, a par- just to sit in a park outside. Okay. with our dog Vega and he was grieving too because Nala was his dog just as much as she was mine and he said like let's just go and sit in a park and we went to sit in the park with Vega and we just looked up at the clouds and the trees and that's always one of the first things I think about when I think of 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 that loss I went through it was so helpful. It was so simple, but it was so helpful. There was no expectation. I didn't have to carry a conversation. We were just there. It was somebody who was there holding my hand, figuratively, literally, whatever. I remember in a previous moment of grief, my friend Katie, who is one of my dearest friends. So I had gone through this loss and three days later, or just four days later, it was Carlos's birthday. And I was in a state in which I couldn't leave my bed. I was was like in this very dramatic state of lying in my bed, looking at pictures of, you know, of, of what I had lost. And I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't function. And I felt so guilty that I wasn't going to be able to do anything for Carlos's birthday. And Katie came to my house, picked me up, took me to the mall, accompanied me to go get a present, to go buy Carlos's favorite chocolate cake, brought me back home. And I have never forgotten that. Mm -hmm. And we didn't talk. I mean, we just like, she was just with me. I don't even remember what we talked about, but it meant everything. Those little tiny things, sending a message to say, I'm checking in, no need to respond. That is huge. It leaves enough space wow. if you don't, you, so you don't feel like, oh, well, this is another thing now I can't do. Like I can't respond to this person. So like, I'm never going to get back on, on into my life. Yeah. So all of those things are just so helpful. And two things that I wanted to mention in my case, I have been a different person each time I've lost someone and the circumstances of the person's death have been very different from one case to the next. And that makes a very big, very big impact. There's, it's different when it's been after illness than when it's been sudden and you weren't expecting it. And I, I know that there's this thing about like not asking people about the particulars of someone's death. Like mm-hmm. that's su- in such bad taste. Like, don't, don't, what are you doing? Asking like, how did the person die or what happened? And you're not supposed to ask. There was one of, one of the losses I went through where that was all I wanted to do because I couldn't understand how it had happened. And I needed to talk about the particulars over and over and over. And I was so grateful to the very few people that dared ask me that. And it it was very important. And I don't know if that would have been helpful in the other moments of grief that I've gone through because they're all different. And I know all people are different. So it might not be helpful for someone else, but I just thought I'd mention it because for one of these moments, it was hugely helpful to me. It, ha- it was the way I went through it. I needed, to, I needed to talk about it with someone. And yeah, and the other thing that no one, few people like dare to do, I needed someone to ask me, tell me a story about them and you. like. That what is, were they like? That is so interesting. What did they like to eat? What music did you guys listen to? Where, like, uh, yeah, I wanted to feel con- 
connected to them again. And you do that through stories. I do that. I'm a huge, you know, fan of writing and storytelling and reading books. So the stories that I had with some of these people that no one was witness to, I felt like talking about it. And very few people wanted to put me in that place because they thought I might cry or they thought they would make me sad. But to me, they were everything. You were one of these people. You have many times asked me, like, what was he like? What was she like? Mm -hmm. Like, how, I don't know, what, what happened? What happened here? Um, yeah. So that's what I would say in terms of support. (laughs) I just remembered something beautiful that happened to me. So I went through this breakup. I was grieving, but I was working. And I was working in my clinical practice. And for a lot of reasons, my ex-husband used to be always in my clinic. So my patients knew him, you know, they liked him. He was, he's a friendly, very friendly guy. So, and we were, we were, you know, on vacation and a lot of them knew that I was going on vacation. So when they started seeing me after that, the first thing that my patients will, would ask me was, how was your trip? Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and I had two choices. I could say, yeah, it was great. So let's talk about you. Mm-hmm. Or I could do what I did because I couldn't hold my tears. So I would just start crying. And you know what? When you study psychology, they would they would say to you, don't, you know, don't yeah. <laughs> share poker your face, personal poker stuff. Poker face. Yeah. yeah. But I couldn't, I just couldn't. I uh, I couldn't not cry, right? So I would start crying, not like a lot of crying, but uh, no, some tears would come out of my eyes, and I would say, "Well, we we broke up," and you know, I would the other Verena, the Verena from before that, would say, "Well, this is going to mess up our." The report we have, right? Mm -hmm. But it didn't. Actually, it just deepened. Because for for a few minutes, maybe a few seconds, they would say, oh, I'm so sorry. A lot of them said, you know, I've gone through that. They would give me advice. They would give me some tips. For a few seconds, a few minutes. And then they would, that is the part that really... For me, it was so beautiful. Then they would just go back to their patient um, seat. They would trust me in my position of their therapist. And, and we would just go on with the, with the session. And that was beautiful because it was a place to, you know, share a little, get vulnerable and that deepened our our report. And because there's something that happens when you're there in the session that you go to another dimension. You just don't feel anything. You just go through, you know, you're in another time and space. You forget about everything that's happening outside the yeah. the office, right? Yeah. So yes. it's very it's it was very good for me to have that space also. And it was so beautiful to receive that warmth from them, but to know that they could trust me, even if I was so human in front of them. Yeah. Well, that is, a, that is just a testament to you, V, and, and to your just a ability to be vulnerable and to just the wonderful human that you are. And of course... I mean, I, I can only imagine it deepening the 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 patient um, sort of therapist bond because our therapists are human and yes. they have yeah, their own lives. And I, I understand, of course, completely the the you know why it is that there is a distance that needs to be maintained. Mm-hmm. But you know, whenever we see vulnerability in someone else, it brings the invitation to be vulnerable ourselves. And that's what happens in therapy. So I can only imagine that the trust and and the just 
you did wonders for your patients on those days. Yeah. And I I am just, I'm so proud of you because I was a witness to that period, all of that period. And I think you navigated it like just the biggest champ. It was very incredible to witness because it was such a hard moment. Um, Now, V, are there any books, any podcasts, any films, anything that you would recommend, any specific titles that you'd like to recommend when it comes to grief support or uh, just uh, the, the process of loss? Yeah. Uh, very few come to mind, but I, I like the year of magical thinking from uh, Joan Didion. It's very, she's so honest. And uh, I, lo- I love the way she writes. And you can really relate to her experience, right? So that's why yeah. I came back to, I had, I, I knew the book from before, but I had to read it again, feeling the feelings. Yeah. It was very good. There's one episode of Brené Brown's um, Unlocking Us with David... Um, Hessler is his name, I think. He used to work with Elizabeth Clover Ross. And there's an episode about, about grieving and about this sixth uh, stage that he talks about. I love that episode. I love it. It really helped me. There's the book from them on grief, grief and grieving is a good book to learn about grieving and I would say something that you said about I mean I for me it helped a lot to read not about not only about grief but about breakups I mean about what I was experiencing what what I was going through It Mm -hmm. helped me, you know, I looked for movies, I looked for podcasts, I looked for um, books. Just because then you have a repertoire of experiences from other people and that helps so much. Yeah, yeah, I think those. Do you have more? I love that. Um, I have, yeah, I have a few that I've either read or have heard a lot about. Um, so in terms of podcasts, highly recommend the podcast grief cast. Okay. It, in every episode, um, the host interviews someone who has lost someone and they go through the entire, what the entire process was like. And I especially recommend the episode with Isabel Allende, who is the famous Latin American writer from Chile who lost her daughter to a very, serious illness when she was very young and it's I mean I just think of that episode and I get chills down my arms that uh, podcast in general is fantastic Um, the podcast Dear Sugars with Cheryl Strayed and her co-host is wonderful podcast for so many things because they basically just it's kind of like an advance advice column turned into a podcast but they have a lot of episodes on grief of many different kinds, a lot of episodes on the end of relationships. It's so, it was such a hugely helpful podcast for me. It's, it's no longer airing, but you have all of the past episodes there to enjoy. The book Wild by Cheryl Strait, who is from, you know, the host of that podcast for me was life-changing because until I read that book, I, I mean, she really gave me permission to, to, to feel okay, it's not just me who has felt such a profound loss of their mother that they felt life was completely sort of turned on its head and felt like she couldn't go back to that old life. And it was the first moment I read somebody who described how I was feeling in many ways. Even though we have very different life stories and and the circumstances were different, but it was hugely helpful. I've heard great things of about grief is the thing with feathers. Grief is the thing with feathers by Max Porter. Yeah, Max Porter. Um, Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. I don't know if you've read that book. It was a bestseller, very recent 
very popular book where the author describes accompanying her mother through cancer, through diagnosis and treatment for cancer, and then her passing. Uh, it's a it's a very good book. Um, I've heard great things about When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I hope it's like that. Paul Kalanithi. Everybody, you'll have all of these links in the show notes, by the way, so you can easily click through. Um, this is a memoir by a doctor who was himself in the process of dying. Okay. And com- combining what his experience of going through this with patients, and now going through it with through it himself, what that was like, and I have heard, I haven't read this. This has been in my list for years. That there is um, sort of a second part to the book, or, or um, maybe a an sort of author's note, or or something towards the end, an epilogue written by his wife after he passed. And I know that that is the part that just sent everybody to the tissues and is very powerful. So I thought that was a good one to recommend. And uh, two books that are more on the spiritual side and will, of course, depend on what some of your belief systems are, but that were hugely helpful for me. The Light Between Us and the book Signs by Laura Lynn Jackson. The last book I wanted to recommend, which I haven't read, it's on my list, but it was that the book where that story about how some people, when they're passing, they need to be with family and 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 some need everybody to leave the room. Um, it's where where this comes from. It's the book With the End in Mind, How to Live and Die Well by Catherine Mannix. And it's written by someone who works in hospice, accompanying patients and family members through the process of death. And uh, from what I've heard of of interviews and, and, and things like that, that I've heard about this book, it has brought relief of the kind that no other book brought, because... I had never talked to anybody who experienced the exact same thing that some Mm -hmm. of the exact things that happened to me. And there are a lot of examples in that book. So those are some of mine. Now, V, to finish this incredible, I mean, I cannot thank you enough for this, your time. It's just, I know that you're going to help so many people with everything you've shared from your personal experience, which you were so kind and generous to share because you, of course, didn't have to do that. You could have just, you know, given us the psychological input and you were, as always, such a generous, generous, kind human. Uh, But also from your professional perspective, you've been most amazing. But if you had one thing to say to someone who is grieving right now that would help, what would you say? I will say what you said to me when I was going through my uh, process. Um, It will pass and you won't be the same person who entered the process. And that is good because you can't, what you said was, you can't come off of a grieving process the the same person you entered. It's just a transformational experience. And that is so true, so true. So I would, yeah, I'm using your words to, (laughs) because that was so, this is the kind of wisdom that you have, that you share with me every day, and that I'm so (laughs) happy that other people can um, come in contact with, because the wisdom you have, the wisdom you have, woman, <laughs> is so, I mean, it's, it's the combination of your ability to, I don't know, to mix what you read, what you learn with what you experience and what you observe. And, you know, your words are always so wise. Yeah, you're a wise person. You're a wise woman. Thank you, V. And um, I mean, what can I say about you? I, right back at you. I, I don't know, and I know I say this to you all the time. 
I don't know where I would be in my life without you. And I, I, I have to say this. I know it's sometimes is a little awkward for people to like throw compliments and things. You know, some people don't like feel a little bit weird about that, but I just have to say it because we're talking about grief. I could not wish for a better companion and friend Mm -hmm. than what you've given me. I just feel like crying when I um, think about how much you've helped me. And I am so grateful to uh, having, you know, for having you in my life. And you just get all of the perks and accolades and gold stars for being just the most amazing friend and the biggest source of support. And I... I don't even imagine how someone could do better than that for someone else. And I wish that everyone who is grieving, who is listening to this, could find their own V. You can borrow mine (laughs) if you know her. If you know her and you're listening because you came from V and you're a friend of hers, you know what I'm talking about. So thank you, my dear friend. Thank you. I love you. I love you too. Um, V, tell people where they can find you if you offer, for example, online consultations, if they want to have a consultation with you, if they want to do therapy with you. I don't know if you have any spots left because I know you have a pretty long waiting list, but take it away. Tell us, you know, tell people where they can connect with you. Okay. So while I wipe, while I wipe my tears, (laughs) (laughs) all my things are written in Portuguese. But I do have a website um, and I do post, um, you know, text posts and blog. I have a blog there, which is Verena. Well, you, you're Verena Kaczynski's. Should I, you, you, you will have it. Um, we will have everything the in the show comments, notes. Right. Okay. Yes. The show notes. Okay. So there's that. My Instagram, it's the same. Verena Kaczynski's. I do have some spots. I do have some new spots now. I haven't told you about this. <laughs> but I do have some new spots for, for psychotherapy. Oh, I, I, did, I did tell you. I did. I, I think yeah. you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless there's something new, I don't no, know. No, no, It's that. Um, yeah, but I'm going, you know, I'm going through a change in my career. So I'm focusing more in writing. And that's where I'm heading in the next, I don't know, a lot of the next years. So, yeah. And having my podcast back, that it's, you can't find it because I just deleted it. But I'm rewriting <gasps> the... Yeah, Why rewriting. did you do that? Because <laughs> I needed, I needed to refresh a Fresh it. start. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, and I just want to say what I always say when you say that it's in Portuguese, I want to remind people that Instagram and the website and anywhere that you can see this on, on your computer or your phone, by just clicking a button, you'll have it translated yeah, right. to English. I've been reading, but in, I don't speak Portuguese. I've been reading and listening and, and, and reading her posts for many years, and it's pretty good the translating apps are and and the translation of google is pretty good it's getting better right so yeah yeah yes yes so there's that for all of you who all of you listeners who who don't speak portuguese v thank you thank you thank you thank you you forever thank you i loved it i just loved it thank you thank you so much for your generosity and inviting me here you're the best guest you're welcome back as many times as you want okay Here are some takeaways from my conversation with Verena. Grieving is an invitation to stop, to give yourself into the process and then start something new, to reinvent yourself in a different way. For whatever the tough moment of the day is for you, for me it was that moment of remembering upon waking up. For V, it was breakfast time. For you, it might be the evening or going to bed at night. Whatever that moment is for you, don't resist the sadness that comes. Lean into it and recreate a new routine around that time so you can slowly begin to transform it. 
it is okay and it can actually be helpful to infuse a small moment of joy or distraction into your day, even when you're grieving. When supporting someone who is grieving, be there. Be there for them, not in the way you think you'd need, but ask them. Ask them what they need. It's all in the small things, the checking in, the errands, the groceries, the food, the listening, the bearing witness. Allow them to go where they need to go. It could be not talking about it or talking about it for hours. And it could just mean hearing a story of the person lost. And most importantly, don't judge. Don't judge the time it's taking them. Don't judge how they're dealing with it. Just be there. And finally, know that it will pass. You will grow around your grief and be able to continue walking without ever forgetting the person who is gone or what you went through. You won't come out of this process as the same person. And maybe that is precisely how we begin to walk a new path after loss. I don't know how to say thank you enough to Verena for the time she shared with us in these two episodes. Remember to follow her on Instagram where she is at Verena Kaczynski's and through her website, verenakaczynski's.com. To our sponsor for sponsoring so many of the episodes in this season of the podcast, the Etsy shop Green and Experience. Please help us in supporting them the way they support this podcast. To all the incredible guests and There were so many who shared their time with us this season and all of their knowledge. To Carlos, who edits this show and makes us all sound so great. We don't all talk like that, I can assure you. <laughs> and especially to all of our listeners, you make this show happen. You make us keep going. We will be rebroadcasting some listener favorite episodes during our break until season 10 begins. So you'll have plenty to keep you busy and inspired until then. We love you. We really, really do. And we will see you again in season 10.